0: Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color.
1: This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life.
0: Hey, welcome. All right, I hope you've got your cup of tea ready. Pull up a chair and sit down. Um, This week, we're going to spend a little time... Talking about the Donald, (laughs) we thought we would just, like, get the crap on the table from the beginning, and then we'll just kind of peel it back, um, peeling a layer may make us cry, peeling back those onion layers may make us cry a little bit, but, um, we're going to talk about the Donald, we start with that, and then, um, we're going to talk about the video that I posted in the Kitchen Table Alchemy Facebook group, um, of the Aussie sergeant, soldier, anyway, we know he's armed forces, um, pretty powerful stuff, and, um, uh, which is about just kind of dealing with our emotions, and then, um, yeah, then we'll be talking about some more stuff about how to deal with our emotions and Trump and our dark side.
1: And I feel I feel the need to point out there because I just watched that video by the Aussie serviceman that the whole uh, dealing with your emotion things is not. This is not just an episode for the ladies. This is
0: yeah, absolutely. for the men out there too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, no, totally. And I and I think that's why when I posted it, it was like this is for this is for everyone. And the person I got it from, it said the same. So, um, but, in, but okay, yeah. so Could Donald- totally like start on that already. So the Donald, because I'd much rather where- talk about that than talk about Donald, honestly. But you know, we gotta talk about the big Nazi elephant in the middle.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, as you said that, I'm like, where do we even begin?
0: <laughs> I have to say, like, the Saturday Night Live. Uh, so we were in San Francisco last weekend, and it was, like, this horrible storm, right? Like, that's all the news was, was trees down and houses on fire mine. Um so it was this horrible storm, and we were stuck inside, and so uh, so we watched Night Night Live. And I don't usually catch it, right? Um, it was really funny. And they said so many things so plainly um, that it really just made me kind of sigh of relief a little bit. Because I think the thing that makes him so scary is us not talking about it. Right. Right? Because either we want to say he's a joke, or we want to not look at how terrifying it is that he's rising to power or we don't want to be terrified and feed that fear monster or whatever. Right. It makes it really difficult to talk about. And a lot of, so a lot of people saw the like fake campaign ad. If you haven't seen it, you have to check out the SNL, um, donald trump campaign ad oh my gosh it's so funny and i won't spoil it for you but it's just hilarious um and it starts out with like the media is saying a lot of negative things about donald trump so you hear these people saying the stuff you know the positive quote-unquote positive stuff he says and then they have their nice little snl twist in there um and then another one that was really good was they had an interview with mitt romney on the news section um Mm -hmm. like a mitt romney spoof right obviously not the real mitt romney but um So Mitt Romney was saying, like, we don't make homophobic, racist, sexist slurs in the Republican Party. We imply them. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the floor. I mean, it's just so funny, right? Like, that's not what we do here. No, we, like, have dog whistle talk. So that, every, you know, we know what we mean, but you can't pin us down in the media, do you know what I'm saying? So, right, yeah. Um, so I think that's the thing that really has to, when we talk about um, Donald Trump, I think it's really dangerous to dismiss him as a joke mm-hmm. um, from the yeah. things that I learned talking to people. Because I had been, like, obsessed with the Holocaust since I heard about it when I was, like, I don't know, eight or nine years old. I heard about the Holocaust, and I, like, was obsessed about it. Like, how do you do this? And I read everything I could, and... And then I lived in the Netherlands for 10 years, which like the only country that turned in more Jews to the Germans were, to the Nazis were the Germans themselves. Right. Right. So, so the Anne Frank story was not a Dutch exception. That was the Dutch norm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I was in a really good place to try to figure out how did this happen? Right. Um, and in the conversations that I had with people there, a lot of the intellectuals thought Hitler was a joke. Like right. this, this guy's so ridiculous. Nobody's going to follow him. Right. Yeah. Um, well, And
1: I think too, is, you know, as I hear you comparing Trump to Hitler, there's a part of me that goes, oh, come on. Hitler's like this almost like fictional bad guy. Like he's right. so to an extreme that it's like, how could someone like that exist in real life? And like. It, you know, and because it didn't happen in my lifetime, right? It just right. seems like one of those things. It's like, really? Can it seems really like hyperbole. happen again? Yes, right. it seems. It does seem like hyperbole. And I think that's where that desire to dismiss it comes from. It's like that's just so ludicrous that I, I can't believe it. Right. You know, but then, but then that's the danger right. of not taking it seriously. Exactly. And that's right. I feel
0: like we've gotten to the place where we have to say out loud. And make that comparison. And I don't think it's a hyperbole, right? Like mm-hmm. Hitler actually wasn't that extreme when he was campaigning. Mm, right. So this wasn't like... It's the
1: same way you need to, to get into power kind of thing.
0: I, I don't know. I think it's, um, because that's what people, that's one of the ways that people dismiss what's happening, right? Um, and for the people, what's happening here now with Trump
1: mm-hmm. is,
0: oh, he's just pandering to get into power, but the fact of the matter is there are kids that are beating other children up at school because of the things they've heard from Trump, right? So it's already happening. He's already having his effect. Do you know what I'm saying? He's right. already motivating a, 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 a base on this level for these reasons. And, um, and I don't really know that he's just saying this to play and suddenly when he gets in power, he's going to be this calm, rational president he's not a calm rational boss well I mean, no i would think not, if
1: anything then right. then he'd really like then he's it. gonna
0: turn it up i mean right. come on yeah. like let's get real right so and and face how face what that means right mm-hmm. i think this is this and and i saw this um in gender and women's studies right the thing that is the the most obnoxious the most oppressive the most glaring right, is the thing that no one looks at and talks about, and they spend all their time on trivialities, Mm. right? Because we feel powerless against the thing that's really big. Yeah, And this show is all about helping us tap into our power and recognize our power and then do something with it, right? So so I feel like we we really have to face this full on. And if he is saying, like, Hitler didn't start out with this stuff. He dog-whistled. All right, mm-hmm. which is what the Republican Party has been doing for a very long time. Um,
1: the implying it, not coming right exactly. out and saying it,
0: so there was right. some dog whistling going on. But he, um, when he came and he was an elected official as well, right? So when he came into power, he first worked to get like a chicken in every pot and a VW in every driveway, basically, right? So he did some work Pillarding. for the people, okay? Yes, he did some work. To, I mean, h- Germany was in a bad place, right? They've mm-hmm. really been devastated. So, um, so he worked to, to raise people up a little bit, and it wasn't until he'd already gained favor in that way that he really started pulling this rhetoric out, mm-hmm. right? So, so for Trump to be talking this way before he's even gotten in office— is um, re- we're looking He's at someone that has the potential to be worse than Hitler. So we think like, oh, well, he was as bad as it gets, right? But he was actually pretty incremental. And, and if we look at Trump's managing style, and it's not hard at all to find people that have written essays on what it's like to work for this guy, mm-hmm. right? His managing style is not... A, empower my people, get to know right. them, put the right people in the right places. It's no. like, do what I want you to or you're out of here. Right. And when you're talking about that's, we can have a discussion, I suppose, about what that looks like in a corporate environment. That's clearly like old school BS and it's on its way out and millennials aren't putting up with it for sure, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, but when you're talking about that kind of approach to managing people mm-hmm. as the leader of a country... Um, that's a very different... Dis- and there is, to me, there is no gray, well, we can have a discussion about how effective that is. Like, no, that's just flat out, like, tyranny and oppression. There's yeah. just no if, ands, or buts about it. Do you know what I mean?
1: And something that I wonder, as you know, as we're talking about this, is that, so is, you know, part of me goes, well, you know, we have our, um, you know, the three parts of our, our government um, that are meant to act as checks and balances, right? So, you know, Congress can impeach the president and the president approves the, you know, uh, or nominates the judicial, the Supreme Court candidates, and but that has to get approved by uh, the legislature. So there's all these checks and balances that were put in place intentionally to stop one person from getting too much power and, you know, taking the whole country. Right. And so I'm wondering, so part of me... And again, I'm not maybe this is the one that like kind of w- wants to go, "Oh, it'll be fine." <laughs> so part of me is thinking, "Well, you know, can he really take over the whole country?" Is is, you know, with that the the limited power of the presidency, you know, how much damage can he really do? Or is the real problem here not the authority granted by the office, but the fact that he can influence people to think and act and feel in a certain way.
0: I think it's a little bit of both and, you know, because we're already seeing the impact of his words. Right. We're already seeing the impact of his word, and he clearly does not care. Um,
1: and Which, interestingly, is, I think, where his appeal comes from. For is, the, yeah. You know, people like... This guy...
0: Until he's pointed at them. ...doesn't
1: answer at anyone. Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Until he's pointed at them. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, you either believe in a democratic system, whether that's a democratic republic or a democratic socialism or a democratic... Right? You either believe in a democratic system that has checks and balances where people can't just do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Or you believe in totalitarianism. And, um, like, it, it just doesn't... Like, if you want leaders that can just do whatever they want then, you know, like go to one of the places where we've installed a puppet dictator and then you can see what that feels like. I mean, you know, that (laughs) just doesn't like, and it's, it really is a sort of, and so this is the thing that we'll be digging into later in the show too. Like, where is that coming from? Like, and what does that really mean, right? Like, what does it really mean to have someone that honestly, um, that, that does not care about checks and balances what, and doesn't. Thanks. And then I think too, with the checks and balances um, and, you know, multinational corporations were definitely around when we founded this country. They founded this country in a lot of ways, right? The Dutch East Indies company was really involved in the slave trade and right. Like, so it was multinational corporations that brought a lot of the slaves over here and set up the venture capitalism to, to get things going. So, So it's not that that wasn't on the table when the founding documents for the states was set up, Um, but it doesn't seem like it had quite the same power that it does now. Do you know what I mean? What doesn't? The influence of multinational corporations in the government. So everyone on the Supreme Court, it would be like the system in like a platonic, um, as Elizabeth Gilbert would say, like purple crystal amethyst butterfly world, right? Um, in this sort of, like, platonic ideal world sounds really great. Mm-hmm. But the reality is our Supreme Court justices are bought and paid for, right? Like, they have investments in certain things, and so when stuff comes in front of them, if that's going to impact their investments or people that help paid for for them to start... I mean, they're appointed yeah. to that well, position, but think, they had political careers before they got there. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, like, and kind of what... Um, you know, what I have noticed for sure is that, is that when we, there's that whole thing of the grass is always greener on the other side, right? We look at something like we look at, um, Donald Trump and and some people who like him may say, "Well, he doesn't care what anyone thinks, and he'll um, stand up for you know what he wants, and he'll get things done." and And they see like the upside of here's someone who will speak up and isn't afraid to push things through and 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 be really aggressive. And so, you know, when you only see the positive side of it, it's like, "Oh yeah, wonderful." But you have to realize that there's the dark side that comes with that, which well, is what you said. Time- when he's pointed at you, it's like that, you know, it, it's all good and well when he's pushing through what you want. But when he turns against you, now it's a now problem. Now what do you do? Right? And so that's And it's where- interesting
0: because a lot of, I think the same people that are saying that are the same ones that would say that Obama shoved affordable care down our throats. Mm-hmm. This is health care we're talking about. Right. And people are resentful that he pushed it through and shoved it down Congress's throat. Um, I, that's that's not what I saw happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. But that's what people are saying happened. And we're talking about accessible health care. So what do you think is going to happen when the thing they're pushing through is that a certain religious group has to wear a band, an armband? I mean, this is what Donald Trump's talking about. He wants to have a national register of Muslims. How is that different from Jewish stars, Stars of David? I don't see the difference at all, right? right? Yeah. Um, So, and the remarks, you know, when he decides he wants to do this for women because they need to be, you know... I mean, I just keep seeing, like, Handmaiden's Tale come to life, right? Like, the first thing they did in Handmaiden's Tale, if you haven't... Have you read this Uh. book? Oh, it's so good. It's from Margaret Atwood, and it paints this, like this world of um, basically like an American Taliban world, right? Where yeah, okay. the rights of women have been completely erased and women are now sorted into classes based on their um, their uh, reproductive status.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And But then like really, really rich women who can't have children um, have these handmaidens that come and like have sex with their husbands to bear their children. Right. But there's like three people in the room when it happens and it's just so, you know, I mean, it's just really (laughs) terrifying and it's, it, it, it is these shades of these really extreme interpretations of, you know, like you take any religion to its extreme Mm
1: -hmm. orthodoxy
0: and it's going to pretty much look like this. Right. So it's not Mm -hmm. confined to one religion or another, but, um, uh, yeah, the first thing that they do is halt women's bank accounts. Hmm. That's the first thing they do. Then right. the woman's money has to route through her husband, and she has to get, which is what we had in America until 1985, basically. Right? Like we weren't allowed to take out
1: loans. loans. That was for loans, right?
0: Right. You could we have weren't a bank accounts. You could have a bank account, but you st- for you still would have had to have a male sign on a bank account until the sixties or seventies. I'd have to look that up, Okay, but you had to have male signers for wow. things like that. Like it, it wasn't until very like basically last century that women in the West were recognized as human beings because in Christian ideology, right? Like the church fathers, not teachings of Jesus. I would put that into a different category, but like organized church, uh, doctrine, women didn't have souls. There was a millennia long debate about whether or not women had souls. So we were in the same category as dogs basically because animals were also not seen to have souls.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I
0: had no idea. Absolutely. <laughs> That's crazy. And so if if I don't have a soul, then I'm not an actual human being, I'm just chattel, right? I'm here I'm here for entertainment purposes and to have babies for men, right? And and I'm certainly not going to have full rights. Like Jane Austen would not have had a career if women had had rights, right? Like all of her books are like, you know, the uncle dies and now the, the mother and the three sisters are, you know, left to the, the whims of their crazy drunk uncle over here that they haven't seen in two decades. You know what I mean? Like, and the reason that was is because we, we aren't seen to have souls in traditional Christian philosophy. Right. So, um, so right, which I think is fascinating when people talk about, like dog on Islam because that was never a, that was never up for discussion in Islam. It's very clear that men and women are equal in front of God, right? Hmm. So but if you're looking at like the philosophical core of things, like the traditional church teachings have got some serious <laughs> issues to work out, you know? Yeah, wow. So and and we're still living that kind of stuff out. So um, you know, so if Trump wants to pull more to Corinthians versus, I'm sorry, that just still cracks me up every time I hear it, but he's trying to pretend like he's a big Christian and he's like, two Corinthians. Bible. Well, two, you don't say two Corinthians. You say second Corinthians, right? Anyone that's oh. ever actually read a Bible knows that. <laughs> so for him to be like, just like it says in two Corinthians, is like, Oh my God, <laughs> whatever you idiot. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> there sorry. I just wanted to add homonyms, but I can't help it. So, um, but yeah, like, I think, uh, I think we need to look at, at what he really is and what is really happening. Cause it is really happening. Yeah and for those of us that have studied social justice things studied the holocaust studied um the civil rights movement studied the emancipation movement studied the women's movement and wondered like if we would have the courage to stand up and say something during those times we have an opportunity to practice that now because it's happening yeah. right
1: history's happening right now it really
0: yeah. is it's happening so um so, so what's
1: we- the so uh, okay, so if someone's listening to this and they're like, uh, okay, yes, Trump needs to be stopped, what is, what's the action? Is it vote for Hillary? Is it vote for, or one of the other Republican candidates? Is it um, some other sort of activism? Like, what do you think uh, is the action that people need to take to make that, that stand So I think
0: there are going to be as many relevant actions against that as there are people that are waking up to what's going on. I don't, I don't know. So like
1: wherever you see an opportunity to speak out and speak up.
0: But I think, um, I think the, the, the really important thing, and this is the thing that, you know, we'll spend the rest of the show talking about, um, is moving into a space where you're going to take effective action. And looking at Gandhi's movement and Martin Luther King's movement, like those weren't just activist movements; they were spiritual movements, and it was a spiritual movement mm-hmm. first that manifested itself in political action. Hmm. And I think that's what's really called for here, because the thing is, Trump is not really the problem, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, he's he's a symptom. He's right. Exactly, he is the symptom, and yeah. it could be him or some other windbag. Do you know what I'm saying? Right.
1: Um, he's in the right place at the right time. He's the person who happens to be. He's the one riding and, that wave right um, now. Um, yeah. 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 And that's something that was my first reaction when I saw how much um, you know how Trump was really you know making waves, and I was like, my initial response, I wasn't scared. I was actually excited because I saw it at that time as a sign that. People have had enough. And, you know, our current political system is very corrupt. You know, it it is common knowledge that you can't count on your elected officials to act in the best interest of the American people. They have their own special interests. They're all about their party, you know, giving the other party a black eye. Their business ventures. Yeah. It's become, you know, a football rivalry, you know, which is fine when it's football, But when you're making decisions that have to do with, you know, this country and the welfare of our citizens, you know, that kind of stuff is, it's not appropriate. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And so I originally,
1: yeah, yeah, saw it as, oh, great. People are finally willing to say, I want someone different. And I think the problem is that Donald is the different person, right? Well, I
0: think Donald, (laughs) the way I see it, he's the embodiment of everything that's going wrong to me. Hmm. Because, yeah. because what's going wrong is that it's not for the people. It's for the corporations, right? It's not even for business people because we're small business people. But
1: I think the, the government is not looking out for him, us, right? Like, I think the people who support him think it he's for
0: that. I, I get that. I get that. But he is clearly out for his own interest. yeah. And, um, and he is going to close any remaining gaps between the government and and corporate interest. I and mean, when we talk about special interest, what we're really talking about is corporate interest, right? Because right. people can like do these little controversies around whatever, different identities that people have that they claim are special interest. I assure you, LGBTQ rights does not have the power on Capitol Hill that oil does. Right. Because right.
1: there's no money behind it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, like oil is the reason that solar panel people here in Arizona, like, we have enough sun to like (laughs) power the entire freaking continent, not just this country. And a lot of us. Just in this state. Right. Right. We've got all this open land. We have so much, so many days of sunshine every year. Like, so we have enough here to power the whole continent. And, solar, solar, people that get solar are being fined by the energy companies $50 a month for having solar, right? Like this, that's oil that Mm. that's not, you know what I'm saying? Like our car is not having the same miles per gallon that cars everywhere else in the world have, you know, like there's all this stuff that we do here. That's, really only used anymore in developing countries like developing countries don't use a lot of the stuff that we use anymore because it's not sustainable and it's not effective it's not cost effective it's not effective for the environment like but we're doing it why oil Hmm. right so um and those that's a business interest right so when people are saying special interest i think a lot of like conservative folks think it's Women's rights or LGBTQ or abortion or whatever, right? But, like, that's, that doesn't have power in Capitol Hill. What has power in Capitol Hill is, is, is business venture. And if Donald Trump isn't the embodiment of business ventures... I I don't know what is yeah. right, and so he's the poster job. He really is. So he, he'll like he'll totally close that gap. That's what I see happening. So he, has, I. So I don't even know that he's a Washington outsider because I have no idea how many people he's already got in his pocket.
1: That's a good point.
0: Just because he hasn't been a front face of Washington right. doesn't mean that he's not a Washington insider. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So-
1: he can be putting on this image, and he's great at showmanship, right? Yes, he is. Of, hey, yeah, I'm for the people, and I'm going to stand up for you, and all this. And meanwhile, you know, he's got these things going on behind the scenes. No,
0: totally. Yeah, which so- is
1: totally something he would do. I mean, it's in alignment with...
0: I I would not be surprised. I don't know him personally, but I would not be
1: surprised.
0: (laughs) So like, yeah, but like, you know, this is, he's, he's a symptom. He's not the actual problem. And the fact that he's been buoyed to the, to the top of the race, um, that's the problem. Hmm. And why that's happening, right. Is going to be much more powerful for us to look at and think about like, okay, if we're seeing this now, rather, than seeing it as a political thing, which means there's right and wrong actions and effective and not, you know what I mean? Um, that if we're seeing it as a spiritual movement and that there are, like, what is he feeding on, right? What is his campaign whipping up? What is right. it? So it's feeding on the fear, it's feeding on fear and hatred of others with a capital O. Right, like, what else would you say his campaign is feeding on? Um,
1: I I think it's all it's feeding on discontent, mm. and um, it, and I think definitely feeding on that idea that someone else, you need someone else to save you. Yeah. Right. You need yeah. you need someone, and, and that's you know, in every politician. Plays that card, not just Trump. I mean, they've been doing it forever. Um, right. You're the little guy, and I'm the big, powerful person who's going to stand up for you and save you and make your life a wonderful paradise, the American dream. Blah, blah, blah. And you know, and yeah, and so that's what they do. They spout the promises. We've all, we know this is what they do, right? We've right, all right, seen right, right, it, right, right. and it's nothing new. And and you know, he's he's just taking that. To the next level, right? And and is even more so giving out that message of fear and oh yeah, just those Muslims and this person and that. You know, I mean, and and the thing is, you know, what? And I've seen this on a small scale, you know, um, with people that I've worked with, where you know they <clears throat> they treat someone else badly, and but then I'm like, well, but they've never done anything to me, you know. But eventually, it's going to come around to you. Eventually, right. you're the person. Who's going to be on the receiving end of that yeah. bad
0: stuff? Yeah, and
1: so really, the the thing is to realize, and I think that's what we're going to talk about in our next segment is that the good news is you don't need someone else to save yourself. You don't need a more powerful candidate to vote for. That really, uh, the answer lies in each person.
0: Yeah, taking their power, that power back.
1: Exactly. Right. I think yeah. that's
0: the thing that terrifies yeah. us. Is like. Not only thinking one candidate is going to save us, right, but being afraid that the other candidate is going to destroy us. And in both mm. situations, we are giving our power away to to other people. So I think yeah. the first step is recognizing that
1: and, and take taking back, our
0: power back.
1: Yeah, take back your power. Absolutely. All right, so we're back, and now we're going to uh, talk about a video that uh, is posted on the Kitchen Table Alchemy Facebook group, and it may seem at first like we're totally changing gears here, but I think we're going to find that this ties back into what we were talking about earlier with Trump and uh, taking back our power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, yeah, cuz it's like okay, how does an Aussie soldier talking about like emotions um tie back to this? But um one of one of our sort of founding uh ideas between the two of us and for this show is that whatever's happening on the inside is echoing out on the outside, right? So so looking at what's happening with Trump, then that is that's echoing something that we're contributing to. There's enough people contributing to that for it to have magnified and then lifted someone like Trump to the top um, with people like Cruz as a close <laughs> second. So there you go. Um, but uh, like, um, but if we look at one of the things that really stood out for me for this video um, that hit me right in the feels um, was <laughs> uh, when he said he was saying, you know, men are confused Men are confused um, because they don't know how to approach things they can't fix. Right. And if they don't know how to fix it, then they just shut down, right? So, um, And he's talking about how they're—and apparently Australia is having the same issues with soldier suicide that we are, um, to judge from what he talked about in the beginning of the video— And, you know, these guys that come back from the war and they don't know how to deal with regular life. They don't know how to be a father to their kids. They don't know how to be a husband, a loving husband. Um, And so they're going into a lot of rages, right? And or they're killing themselves. So, but I thought when he he said that, right, that they're... (sighs) They, they're confused because they don't know how to fix this. And when they don't know how to fix things, then they feel emasculated and they shut down and they freak yeah. out. Right.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I really thought was powerful is that he talked about connection, that you have to connect with those emotions. You have to feel them, experience them. And, uh, and that's how you regain connection with other people exactly. is by reconnecting with your emotions, which really struck me because in our society, we tend to think of, Connection and especially emotional connection as being a female thing, right? Right. That oh, that's the that's the realm of women and with all their feelings and their emotions <laughs> their and yeah, their hormones and all this kind <laughs> right, of stuff, right? Right. Oh, right. she's hormonal, mm. you know. She's uh, whatever. So like, <sighs> and, and you know, and that's part of the problem is that just like you were saying earlier about the thing about women, do women have souls? And that's ridiculous. Of course, women have souls. And so the same thing is true with men and emotion. Of course, men have emotions. Of course, they need human connection with one another. So I think that's the first thing we need to do is dispel this myth that emotions and connections is a woman thing. And same yeah. thing with hormones. Men have hormones too.
0: Yes, they do. And they cycle daily as opposed to monthly. So you yeah. could say they're more unstable than yeah. we are. And it's <laughs> like, if a, guy, if a guy is, you know,
1: emotional, Oh, he's, you know, he's has a temper or, you know, right. it's like, Oh, he's just doing that guy thing that guys do. Right. But then in m- women, it's like, Oh, she's being hor- hormonal. You know, there's oftentimes just a different way that, that, um, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, for guys, the only emotions they've been... I mean, it's a human thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think um, that one of the sort of unfortunate and perhaps... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Unintended results of the trajectory that a lot of the women's movement has taken is that... Well, and I don't know that it's a women's movement, actually. I think it's just a... I think it's just patriarchy. It's living in patriarchy. And when you are saying, oh, well, this, you know, like this, the male is better than the female, then, or the female is better than the male, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to being in balance. Then, um, then you start, like, chopping humanity down. Right? Right. You can't, like, if you look at a, if you look at a list of, like, masculine attributed traits and feminine attributed traits, Um, then if you were to meet a person that only had those on either side, Uh they would be a really sort of sad person. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, they wouldn't be very functional. They'd have lots and lots of problems. You would not want to be in a relationship with either side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's part of that living under the patriarchy is this idea that all things masculine are good and all things feminine are bad and stupid and weak and whatever. And the thing is, is that it's a human thing. So there right. have been just as many women that have taken on this idea that feelings are bad mm-hmm. as there have been men, right. right? And I think especially if we're looking at the generations under me, um, a lot of the young women I saw young men and young and women and men and I saw in my classroom – the guys were actually more in touch with their feelings than the girls were. Interesting. Right? Because
1: they were allowed to have them. Because
0: that was part of being a liberated man,
1: uh, was right. to acknowledge
0: your emotions. But part of being a strong woman, and we kind of touched on this in the right. last show, right, is um, not having emotions, yeah. right? So we're still seeing emotions right. as being
1: Well, meek. and I think there's the, it's that idea that a strong person... Doesn't show their emotions. They are in control of themselves at all times, and and I think that is that is being put on men. Like men are supposed to be like that, and then saying, "Well, and women, if you want to be strong like a man, then you need to do that too." Right. And so it's bad for both genders. Yeah, it absolutely is. And if we think so, if we kind of translate
0: that out into a political spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Like. Once we take that into a political spectrum, if they're, th- like, think about the relationship you have with your emotions. How much do you police them?
1: Hmm.
0: How are you judging are, them? Right. How much do you judge them? Push them down. How, how often are you throwing them in the cell without a trial? Never to come out again. Like, ooh, I mean, that's
1: a bad emotion. Shove that away. Right. You.
0: Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like, how how many of us have our own Guantanamo Bays with like <laughs> emotions that have been put there on vague suspicions <laughs> and never taken a trial and never set a date because we're so terrified of what would happen if if my grief. Got out of the cage for a minute, right? right? Like when it gets taken outside, it's got a bag over its head and its arms are tied behind its back. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like yeah. how how many of us are running a Guantanamo in right. the back for spaces your emotions, of our heart? For your
1: icky emotions, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. How? Yeah.
1: How? Like? So?
0: So? What does that look like? Like? Are we? Is there this huge part of our population that's standing behind Donald Trump because he ignores reality and and says, mm-hmm. "Screw you! I'm going to do this anyway. I don't care what the impact is." Like because we all do that inside because we're all saying, "I don't care what the result is. I am not going to allow my like need for validation or whatever to." to be present in my life at all. So mm-hmm. I will just ban it and I will learn about it so that I can ban it more. <laughs> Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. so, um, I, I recently, um, had, uh, I, have been working on for myself, uh, not judging my emotions, you know, allowing myself to feel them and, and accepting them sort of neutrally. Like, oh, this is how I'm feeling about this right now. Right and and accepting that it's a present moment thing and not and, and acknowledging that okay this is how I feel right now I'm not gonna feel like this forever which I right. think is really helpful when you're yeah. trying to process those icky emotions is to realize you know it's like a wave right you're letting it go through you and but then it passes yeah. and I love the um, there's this thing in um, the book Dune. Uh, and I, it's basically, um, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase, it's not exactly, but it, um, fear is the mind killer, the little death. I will, was it, I will turn my mind's eye upon the fear and when it passes through, only I will remain. Mm. And so that's how I look at it is I'm letting this wave. Can you say that again? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Fear is the mind killer, the little death. Uh, what is it? There, I'm I'm missing something. I'm missing part of it. But then, but the the other part that's really important is, I turn my mind's eye and I watch the fear pass through me. And when it is gone, only I remain.
0: Nice.
1: And so that's the thing I think that for me is. The, there's two parts of it. There's the emotions feel bad, right? It feels icky, right? Like, I don't want to right. feel it's that like way. Itchy, I like feeling you know? happy and upbeat and I'm like that character in the movie Inside Out, right? right? You yeah. know, I'm like, I'm happy, let's be happy all the time, right? So there's that thing of, I don't want to feel those yucky emotions. And then there's the other thing of the fear that if I allow myself to feel that, it's going to carry me away, right? The wave, the tidal wave is just going to devastate me. And then I'll be this depressed person who has to take, you know, (laughs) drugs to like manage their, you know, right? Exactly. So, so what I found though, is that that doesn't happen, you know, that when I allow myself to feel those emotions, yeah, it does feel bad at the time. But then you can kind of also be sort of the parent to yourself and sort of pat yourself on the back and go, you know, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. And and when the wave passes, it's going to be okay. And, yeah. um, you know, and yeah, sometimes it takes a little while for it to wear off, you know, for me to get back in a more pleasant emotional state. Um, but But it releases... Yeah. All of that. So you're not carrying around the burden of that, you know, that Guantanamo <laughs> day of, right. Right, of all these things that you've shoved down. Yeah. And, and now we're, we're not looking at it, like a but sack it's
0: of totally. Yeah. And it, we're not looking at it, but it's still costing us. I read mm. an article the other day um, and I can't remember the figures now, but they blew my mind like millions of dollars every year for every Guantanamo Bay prisoner that's there. Oh, really? The cost? Yeah. Wow. We are paying for that. And we don't look at it, and we don't think about it, and we don't talk about it. And this was one of Obama's campaign provinces that he was right. going to close that down. And it still hasn't happened. Yeah. Right? So, and I heard
1: he's, like, trying to get it done, you know, before he leaves right. or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It would be nice <laughs> to see that happen. But um I don't know how, but it would be nice to see that happen. Like, But it's, it's shocking how much we've paid for this, right? And I think that that is such a juicy metaphor for the way that this stuff works inside of our hearts. Like, mm-hmm. we don't want to look at it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to face the history that got it there. Mm-hmm. We don't want to... You know, we know there's all this stuff that we want to shut out of the picture, and then just make these snap decisions on stuff. And but we're it, paying the price for that. Yeah,
1: and it's the difference. I found I found this in my own life. It's the difference between like long-term, low-level suffering and short-term, more intense suffering. Yes. Right? Because if you're in a bad situation, whether it's a job you hate, a bad marriage, or other type of relationship, whatever it is in your life, it it's causing you suffering, but it's not so intense that you have to get out right now. Right. So you're sort of putting up with it and it's, and it's Christ. dragging out. But then like, so for me, when I got a divorce and I made the, the choice, I'm like, this relationship needs to end, you know, I need to make a change because it did finally get to the point that I was so unhappy
0: right.
1: that, that it crossed that line where, okay, now I have to do something. I right. have to for make a For a lot of people, it's health problems. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, like, yeah, so uh, so then I was like, okay, so I got a divorce, which was a painful process, but it was, you know, fairly short term. And there were a lot and, of fears about right.
0: how are the kids going to handle this, and what's right. going to happen, and how am I going to financially and deal with the it. the
1: retribution and, of, you know, an right. angry ex-husband who felt he had been wronged, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. there was, you know, yeah, it was painful to go through that. But when I came out on the other side... I was so much more free, so much more empowered. I was excited about living again. And, you know, that that's the thing. It's like you're going to pay for it one way or another. Right. You're either going to pay for it as this long, drawn-out type of suffering, or you can pay the whole thing up front, you know, go through that gauntlet, and come out the other side with the rest of your life in front of you right. in, in a better place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So funny that as you're saying that, like, I'm just seeing how we as a nation are like, and this cohort, adult cohort, is like the most in debt, addicted, like, um, and obese mm-hmm. co- adult cohort, ha- cohort US has ever seen. So obviously, mm-hmm. we as a culture, don't really like the idea of paying for stuff up front, <laughs> right. right? Like we would rather pay nineteen point nine nine percent interest, you know, like daily compounding or whatever, than to pay for it up front. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's interesting to think like, the, so here is all these different places in our lives where we can start paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Why we do those things, what we tell ourselves to get us in that space, why we continue to put up with it. And I think,
1: you know, those things that you talked about, being in debt, you know, not eating healthy or whatever, um, I think those things often come out of not addressing whatever the suffering is in your life. Like I recently had, um, I've gained some weight recently. And so I, it was to the point where I started to outgrow my clothes right. and I'm like, I don't want to go buy a whole new I wardrobe. In a bigger size. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, watch what I'm eating. I need to eat more healthy and, and I want to feel better too, because I just am more comfortable in my body when right. I'm at a healthier weight. And so, so I had, Like, yeah, I want to do this. And then I found myself one day trying to choose like what I was going to have to eat. And I had like, you know, the indulgent, you know, fast food or cookie. I don't even remember what it was versus something healthier. And I was like, well, that would be healthier. No, I'm going to eat this this other thing. (laughs) And I kind of went afterward. I analyzed and went, what the heck is going on? Like you set this goal for yourself to get healthier, and you had a clear choice. There was clearly a better choice, and you chose the wrong thing. Like, why do you do that? And and I don't believe that people do anything that is illogical. Like in Star Trek, you know how there was the Vulcans who were like, oh, humans are so illogical. Um, I don't believe that humans are illogical at all. They always have a reason right. for why they do what they do. And so, so I'm diving into myself going, why did I make that choice? There's a reason for it. And I after some introspection I was like, you know, I'm so unhappy right now in mm. my work situation that I you know it makes me feel miserable and I was choosing that unhealthy food as like a
0: Your a treat reward. to offset
1: it, right? Yeah. Like I'm miserable over here, so I'm gonna reward myself with this other thing to try and offset that suffering. And so that's where I think a lot of people overspend, you know, they impulse buy or they buy things they can't afford. They eat things that are unhealthy, you know, because they're trying to offset some sort of suffering in their life. Yeah. And I think
0: it's this wanting to, wanting to fix that stuff, right? Like back to what the guy had said about the video. I think that if we don't know how to fix it, then there's this sort of freak out, Right. We want to fix stuff. Right. And I think. And be in control. And be in control. And, and, and that's the ego. Mm -hmm. Like the ego wants to be in control. Right. And wanting to fix things is like wanting that level of certainty. Right. Right. We want the certainty. We, we
1: want to be in control. I mean, fix, you know, so. um, It makes us feel safe. And I think that's where, that is where what you're talking about earlier about these great movements start as a spiritual movement and then become an activist movement. Um, That's why it's because so each of us as individuals only have so much that we can control. We can really only control our own, our own selves, what we say, what we think, what we do, what we feel to a certain extent, right? We really, the only thing in the whole universe that you have control over is you. And same for everybody else. Right. We can influence other people. We can persuade. We can threaten. We can do other things to try and get, you know, uh, the illusion of control. But but really, it's not control. It's influencing.
0: Right, and, and it turns into oppression pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, and and what the what I have found has been like the key insight for me is that if I accept that I can only control me, and then have faith that. That other stuff out there is going to take care of itself, and that there's a higher power or some sort of design to it all. Then, then or that I there can, are like
0: laws to emotions, just like there are laws to physics, right? And those laws are, you know, you right. Can rely it's on accepting
1: those. that I'm me, I have control over myself, no more, no less, and everything else out there is going to work itself out and right. i can choose how i react to everything that's coming from out there right and and that's a spiritual thing right it's having faith that what is outside of yourself has some kind of purpose has um that that the universe is a safe place Right. that god or whatever sort of higher power you believe in is looking out for you or maybe if you don't believe in a higher power just that there's an order to But th- there's to things, an order to things. right yeah yeah and that it's not like you against the world right because that is
0: totally an egoic idea right right and if and the egoic ideas are always going to be about disconnection right. right and and whereas and i've got to be in control it's, right if you're disconnected. Then if you're disconnected, then it's you against the world. You're all alone. No one's going to help you, right? Like all Mm -hmm. of those things just send you further and further away from connection and belonging and love, which is what we're all like wired to, right? We're all Mm -hmm. yearning for that. And everything we're doing is trying to get that in some way. Um, Whereas... If you're talking about the things of unification of spirit, of whatever your terminology is for that, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you rely in a certain tradition to bring you there, or whether you have you trust in physics, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like but it is this element of having faith that this that this works the way it's supposed to. Right. And that if you're doing your job, right. Which is looking after yourself. Right, which is getting to know right, being connected with yourself, and right, like right. if you're if you're taking care of that, then the rest of it eventually falls into place. Right, that it works. Yeah. As, it all comes out in the wash, kind of thing. Um, oh, I totally lost where I was going to go with that. Was so busy focused on like the phone <laughs> ringing and staying on track <laughs> that, that I ended up falling off track anyway. But
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Oh.
1: and and I think at the core of that is. This idea that you can be comfortable with not knowing the answer to everything. That you can yes. accept your feelings, you can accept the way things are and and say, I don't know how this is all gonna work out. I don't know for sure what's gonna happen, but I trust that whatever it is, I will be able to handle it. Right. And there there was a, a quote that I got from you and you probably remember who it's from that and that was in, in regards to relationships. It said, I I trust myself enough to handle whatever mm. you do. Do you remember yeah. that quote? There's,
0: so I know one of the things that gets me, it's a quote about that. I don't know if it's the same way you're thinking of, but it makes me so happy. And it's like, the bird does not trust in the branch. It trusts in its wings.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Right. So that was really powerful for me because I, you know... Uh, in working through a lot of like wounded child and learning how to reparent that child and, and being really in the thick of those issues, I kept flipping out because I was scared the branch was going to break. Right. Right. (laughs) And so the first time I heard that quote that the bird doesn't trust in the branch, it trusts in its wings. It was this huge paradigm shift for me. Right. To realize that, okay, so I, so I don't have to work all the time. Making certain that I'm in control that you're on of a safe everything branch. around me, yeah. and that I've refortified that branch seven hundred times, <laughs> and then gotten more reinforcement, and then pushed people off the branch because I don't want the branch to break. Like you know what I'm right. saying? Like yeah. all this stuff I had done to my, and then cry because nobody's on the branch with me. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I'm on this branch all oh, by myself. Ah, you're gonna break it. Be careful, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> ugh, you know, but it's it's interesting. Because when we think too about like taking full personal responsibility and working from that space, that means we also have to allow other people to have full personal responsibility and work it out in their own space. Right. And right now, I'm blanking on who talks about this, but um, I'm pretty sure we talked about it in Calvin Terrell's uh, race to equity workshop as well, or he would know who it was anyway. But it was talking about respecting yes and no um and i've done a lot of work with yes and no Mm -hmm. right getting clear with our own yes and no getting clear with yes and no in the body so um and when we're respecting other when we give ourselves full permission to move on our yes or move on our no Mm -hmm. right um there's a lot of stuff we have to get out of the way for that because we, yeah. we pull ourselves back from yeses all the time and we push ourselves forward through noes all the yeah.
1: time. Yeah, and I took your workshop on that and it was really, um, it was really great because it, it, I have gotten a lot better at trusting my instincts Yeah, and listening and, and no longer feeling that I need a justification for every decision. If I have a hunch and I'm like, I really think I need to do this, I listen to that now and don't require it to have a justification. Right, which is
0: having trust when you don't really know what the outcome is, right? right? Like yes. So, so but ha- like going through that own experience ourselves and giving ourselves full permission for our yes, giving ourselves full permission for our no. And then the next step of that is giving other people full permission mm-hmm. for their yes and their no, right? right. And um, so this – oh, it's going to – so I'm, I will work really hard to try to find this so we can get it in the – in the, the show notes. Show notes. But in this essay book that I was reading where they're talking about the yes and no, um, there's this discussion about um, – if I don't accept someone else's no, like I have a yes on something. Say you're working out something with your partner or with a colleague mm-hmm. or with your kids and you really want something and you think it's going to be really great and they're being resistant. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, so this is also like, take this into your political discussions with people like, cause this is what we need to as a country learn how to do right now. So like if I start moving into a place of persuasion or trying to influence someone, mm-hmm. I have now moved into a space of not fully respecting their yes and no. Do you right. see what I'm saying?
1: Right, like oh, you're wrong. Let me bring you around to my way of thinking, which that's is the correct. right way. Right, yeah. yeah, oh yeah,
0: yeah, totally. So, like, so that takes it to this very different level, right? Like fully respecting someone else's yes or no,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, and and letting them have their own path. Yes. Yes. Right. We, we feel like, oh, That's well. That's so
1: important. And it, and it really, that, um, it really influences whether or not people feel that you respect them. Cause I was in a relationship where the other person did not have that attitude of he was right. And he was going to bring me around to his right. way of thinking. And, and it just, I was like, you don't respect me, you know? And, and right. if I would say that you're not respecting be like, I do too. I respect you, you know, but it's like, it's like, but, but you don't because you're not <laughs> you respecting, again. you, know? you yeah. don't respect my opinion, my mm. feelings. You think you're right and you want to change me. And that's it. But I've been on the other side of it too, where I'm sure that I'm right about something and I just feel I need to help them see the light, you know? Right. So, you know, it can, you can be both, the victim and the perpetrator so of that. Easy. If you're not Absolutely. careful, um, yeah. So, and especially when it's your kids, oh, because yeah. they're young and you're the adult and they're the little kid, and so there's this assumption that you know better than them, and that you know mother's always right, right you know right, that right. kind of thing. And so that's something that I've been working on myself with is you know, is being, respecting my own kids and their feelings and their opinions. And, you know, if they express something that I disagree with, you know, then I might be like, well, let's, let's talk about that. You know, let's talk that through. If I think there's some aspect of the subject that they're not thinking about, you know, then I can certainly point that out, but I'm not, I don't want to tell them how to think either right. you know right or what to feel and i had actually i had just the other day um so uh my younger son darren is um he can get very emotional especially when he feels that he's been wronged right when he's the injured party and of course you know we can say to him no darren look this is what happened but when he gets like in that really heightened emotional state there's no point talking any kind of logic to him because the wall is up, right? He is convinced that, you know, he was wronged, and everybody's just being terrible to him, and, um it, you know, and then, of course, it just evolves, because then I'm trying to, I'm like, listen to me, respect what right, I'm saying, right, and he doesn't, right. and he acts out, and then it just gets into that, you're grounded, you're losing your Before spirit. Before you side. know it, you're the right, riot police. Right, exactly, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> I was like, God, how do we get here? And over something little, right. you know? Right, yeah, totally. And, it, and it's like, um, so afterwards, you know, after we kind of calmed down and whatever, I said, Darren, I'm like, it's okay for you to feel whatever you're feeling, but, you know, but you need to be in control of your reaction, like yeah. how you talk to people and what you do and say, like, you are still responsible for that. And that was hard for him to understand, but like he's 10 and he, you know, I had to explain it more than once and, and I'm still not sure that he totally got what the difference was I think there's a lot
0: of adults that don't get that. So (laughs) So, so the fact that he's even considering it 10 is pretty awesome. So I think
1: that's one of those things I'm going to have to keep saying it every time it happens. Okay, this is how you're feeling. And so what I said is I'm like, when you're feeling that way, just give yourself a timeout. Say, I'm going to my room. And of course, and he, and then he's like, I did do that mom. And I'm like, Oh, he did. He tried to go, and, and I'm, like, let and him I'm like, get back here, get back here, and clean up this mess you made. You know, don't you walk away from me, Mister? You know. And so, looking back on, it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I was in an emotional place at that point too, right? So yeah. Uh, so it's not, you know, this whole dealing with your emotions and feeling what you feel. It's easy to talk about, and it's. Takes practice, yeah, absolutely to does. actually do. So- yeah, like when
0: you're saying, like, I'm just gonna have to keep telling him, you know, you can feel whatever you feel, but you're responsible for your reaction. I was like, uh, yeah, I have to say that to my- myself, like at yeah. least weekly. Like it used to be multiple times a day, right? Um, and
1: I've because it's so easy to tell someone else. That, oh, yeah. Right? Well, and then do end, it
0: to yourself, right? I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've worked myself into this privileged position where I have a lot of control over who I interact with, right? Mm. So the only reason I don't have to tell myself that on an hourly basis
1: is because <laughs> you I'm, don't have to put up with i don't have to put up with people, people who make me feel like or, that yeah, very right, often exactly. right like <laughs> i worked
0: really hard to get myself into this space but i am in a space of like delightful privilege that yeah. that's where i am do you know what i mean but yeah i yeah, know that uh uh i am i am not responsible for the feeling the feeling says nothing about me the feeling is just part of being human i am responsible how I talk to people when I feel this way, how I behave when I feel this way, you know, Mm. decisions that I make when I feel this way. Um, So like you said, like that pulling back and just letting it move through um, so you're not doing it makes a big part. And I think just that recognizing that there's nothing there that needs to be fixed, right? Right. I don't, I don't need to... Fix my grief. So, so the new moon, uh, was on Tuesday and my teacher, um, Brie saucy sends out questions for us to, to, for us to consider Mm -hmm. with every moon phase. And the question for this new moon was what is ready to be healed once and for all, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go and do some research on, um, what the astrologers are saying about this new moon and you know the glorious like um mythological stuff that's feeding into what's you know all the stuff going on in the skies (laughs) right now um that i won't go into but um but they're all talking about like this is this new moon is really about healing right there's a lot of healing going on here chiron i think is passing and did you
1: say it passed it or it's so it's tuesday
0: it was tuesday okay but we're Uh, in that energy for like three days yeah it sounds right Um, Tuesday the eighth of March. So you have like three days, right? That you're in that sort of moon energy. So So kind of like Thursday,
1: Wednesday.
0: No, well, Wednesday tomorrow, today tomorrow. So like you're riding that wave, right? For three days before, three days after, and um, so I was, I was, you know, meditating on that Tuesday night Mm -hmm. before bed, and was just like, then this little part of me came up and was like, you know what? You spent a whole lot of time. Walking around inside, looking for what needs to be healed, and it's just this really nice way to say you're looking for what's wrong that you can fix. Mm.
1: Right.
0: Um, and why don't you try looking for what works well instead? Maybe <laughs> that's the thing that needs to be healed. Is my ideal that uh, or my idea? of you myself have so much to be
1: fixed. Right, yeah, that You're still i still broken, you still got to do still all Still need to do all
0: this healing, right? I Say healing <laughs> instead of broken, but but you know, oh, right. like yeah. where is it like is that really saying the same thing? And mm-hmm. and when I'm focusing on that, then am I focusing on what's going right there and what isn't broken and what doesn't need to be healed, right? Mm-hmm. Um and looking at the spaces where Maybe I was having very emotional reactions to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we talked about this in the last one or not, but um, and I pathologized myself for that, and my my the people around me pathologized me for my emotional reaction to something. But um, but then finding out that maybe that emotional reaction was actually the most normal and actually mm-hmm. indicative of health. Right. Right. So um, I think it was in the Brene Brown. It was, it was. So Brene Brown has this Living Brave semester this semester. Um, and I've been, I'm really behind since we went on holiday, but um, but I've been participating in that. And so she was talking about when people are, like the difference between humiliation and embarrassment. Right. Okay. Um, humiliation is shame-based. Okay. And embarrassment is... Or is not, if I'm thinking of it the right way. Um, So she was talking about... One's
1: public and the other one is internal, right?
0: Well, she was saying that the only difference... She said physiologically the same things happen. The face flushes, the heart rate goes up, right? There's going to be like a pulling in and this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the only difference that you're going to see is the self-talk. And the person that is... um, humiliated believes what the person is saying to them. They internalize it. And the person who is embarrassed does not believe what the person is telling them and thinks that it's unfair that they're being talked to like that. And the natural healthy reaction to that is to get angry. So she was saying that like you, in the moment on the outside, you can't see the difference between the two Right. Right? It's because the physiological reactions are going to be the same. The only difference is, the, is internal. It's a self-talk. And then after what happens, we'll tell you whether someone or tell okay. yourself whether you were in, in humiliation or shame. And mm-hmm. and the natural reaction is to get angry, actually, right. because you recognize you did not deserve that. If you're
1: embarrassed.
0: Right. Right. You did not deserve that treatment. And so you'll, you'll tend to get angry about it. Right. And... So when I – and I, I spent, like – well, I still have to, like, go to people to get the anger drained out of my, like, jaw connection, right? Because I'm carrying yeah. all this anger because I had these people that were trying to eliminate me, mm-hmm. right? They didn't right. just, like – and I took that on and tried to eliminate my emotions and my intuition, right? Like, so that's right. how I continued that legacy, but um, – but I had people that were trying to shut me down and squash me and eliminate me, mm-hmm. and um, and I think this really fits into those that, like, looking again at Donald Trump, right? This right. is somebody that wants to <laughs> eliminate stories of people, and there are those of us that are scared that we're going to be on his list, And um, but there were these... Uh, these ways I tried to eliminate myself, I was surrounded by these people that wanted to shut me down. They didn't, they didn't want me there really. They didn't want what I had to say. They didn't want what I was bringing to the table. And when they would shut me down, I would get really angry and mm. they pathologized that.
1: Like, like, right. Cause the implication is that you shouldn't ever get angry.
0: Right. Like, see, a- this is just proof of why you need to be treated in this bad way because you can't control yourself. Look at you.
1: Yeah. But if someone mistreats you, anger is a very (laughs) Very healthy healthy reaction. Right. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So,
0: um, so it was, so it was fascinating, right? So like I had this grieving that came up, um, when I was doing that exercise in the Brene Brown stuff and was just like, oh my God, all this stuff that, that I was pathologized for and continued to pathologize myself for, right? Like I, I kind of took up these religious interpretations of spiritual things to kind of push myself down further Mm. right like oh well if you were really a good person then you wouldn't have gotten angry and Mm. you would you know just recognize that when people are sleeping then that's the way they behave and you know what i mean like all this kind of stuff to
1: try to be okay with something that's not okay yeah yeah All right. So now that we've had these wonderful philosophical conversations, let's uh, get to the practical application part. So, uh, you know, thinking back on, you know, what we talked about with Trump and how what he's doing in the he's sort of riding the energy of sort of the collective baggage, if you will, of of our country and where we're at as a society. But that the way to deal with that is on an individual level. So, talk to us about what people can do um, if they want to make a shift.
0: Yeah, I think, like, really keeping in mind that um, if we approach this as this being a time for a spiritual movement that will find its way to political action or social action, um, that's a place we want to start.
1: Now, right? what about the people who um, are not spiritually inclined? So,
0: when I say spiritual, so that's really good. Like, when I say spiritual, I mean big questions. Right. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What's my, you know, what's my reason for getting up this morning or, 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 living my life? Right. What's the point? So to me, spirituality is about big questions and about a relationship to a deeper me. Right. So, so it doesn't, um,
1: has to doesn't have to necessarily involve be, believing in a higher power. Right, it
0: doesn't have to be theistic. Okay. Um, but it is about big questions. Right. Okay. So, um, so if we're seeing that, So it really is taking it on a very deep personal level as opposed to prescribed social or political action. And so I think one of the things we could do is like for if if Trump is really scaring the crap out of you, right, (laughs) then, um, you know, recognizing that pulling out of like your point of looking for someone to save us. Right. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that looking for someone to save us and thinking someone can destroy us means in both cases that we're giving our power away. And so as a place to take our power back, um, look at his campaign and what is really upsetting you or disturbing you or scaring you the most, right? Like make a list it's because he's doing this. It's because it's right. Like dig a little deeper, right? Mm-hmm. Like get past the surface of what's going on. Well, he he's whipping up this fear, he's whipping up this this racism, he's whipping up this like whatever it is, like dig under that and then flip that inward to see where you're contributing that, right? So um contributing
1: we, doesn't necessarily mean that you're Voicing those same opinions. When you Doesn't, say
0: contributing, what do you mean? By right. That? It could be. I mean, right. Uh, polite white supremacy is a thing, right? And so, <laughs> like, um, and a lot of us that would not consider ourselves to be white supremacist or would even identify as being progressive and left are contributing to that in a lot of different ways, right? So How it so? can be. Well, God, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on that. But so, so finding some research about that, right, could be a great way to start, like, like, okay, well, what does that even mean? What are some mm-hmm. examples of it? Um, and just, like, double-checking to make sure that that's not a space where we're contributing in some small way, right? Because it can... It, because we're talking about things that we're doing unconsciously, right? right? Clearly, um, this is a unconscious movement,
1: right? (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? So,
0: um, of what's happening with Trump. So, so we want to look at the things that we're doing unconsciously and we're trying to bring that stuff into consciousness right now. So it may very well be that we're contributing to, um, systems or ideas that, that are hurtful to Muslims or people of color or women or like, so whatever it is um, that he's doing that gets you particularly upset, then chances are there's some way that you're contributing to that. That's or why I'm saying. Or you're sort you of
1: contributing to or going along with like the old world order, right? Yeah. With
0: Yeah. Okay. So where are those ways that you could expand that a little bit? And then if you've checked through that, then looking to see how is your relationship with yourself and your emotions reflecting that, right? So um we the 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 prospect of the, dic- the inevitably dictatorial reign <laughs> that Donald Trump would would have is is echoed in this Guantanamo Bay that we all have with particular motions that we've shoved down and away um, with parts of ourselves that we've shoved down and mm-hmm. away, right? So,
1: like, if we see, um, oh, Donald Trump is, you know, he's um, uh, trying to, Villainize, you know, Muslims or any group and then looking at ourselves and say, where am I uh, judging and blaming and fear mongering parts of myself? Exactly.
0: Yeah. So if we're, um, if we're focusing on that, then that's going to shift that energy and, um, and also checking the, and again, always keeping in mind that idea that, I'm going to move to Canada if he gets elected. Right. Like that kind of idea.
1: I'm going to run away from the problem. So yeah. where are you running away from your problems in your life?
0: Right. Like that's still giving him a lot of power that I don't think he necessarily um, deserves. Yeah. Right. Certainly isn't hasn't earned. So, yeah. so I think like just sitting down and making a list of the things that are really disturbing you in that and, um, and then I think along the way, like talking about it, yeah, we we have we do have to talk about it. But and the then way-
1: catching yourself too in that sort of internal self-talk, where you're doing that, where you're expressing fear or you're, um, you know, judging yourself or your emotions, right? And, and just catch. I found that for me, that's the thing is you just have to catch yourself doing it over and over, and the more times you catch yourself doing it, then it gets to the point where you catch yourself before you do it. And so then you're actually able to stop yourself from doing it. Yeah. But it's for me anyway, it was something that happened over a period of time. It wasn't just like, Oh, I just got this bit of enlightenment. And now, now I'm, I'm a better person. You know, for me, there's always been this process of getting better at catching myself in negative self-talk it usually at first it's after the fact and then later it's catching it before it actually happens. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then like, how are we going to deal with that? So like the second segment, we talked about this video that's on the the Facebook page for kitchen table alchemy, um, find us and join us so you can join into the conversation. But, um, you know, when he's talking about fixing our emotions, right. Um, What's the appeal of Trump to a lot of people is that he's saying I'm going to fix this and it's going to be really simple, right? Yeah. So, so, and we're like, of course, it's not simple. It's really complicated. Well, we can say that when we're looking at these really complex, you know, political, sociological histories right. that have led to where we're we are. trying to like
1: fix Social Security or something, right? right. Like, <laughs> but,
0: but then. do we have that attitude that it's just really easy and I should be able to turn this thing right around when it comes to my own emotional awareness and health.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So, so maybe that's the space where I'm feeding him. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and, and really looking to see like, okay, so if, if the thing that upsets me is his, his idea that these are going to be really quick fixes and you can just slam this stuff down and be done with it. Um, Am I, am I doing that about the things right. I want to shift in my life? Am I And doing having that unrealistic
1: about? expectations yeah. of yourself. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, we know we ran a little long, but we can pick this up again on the Facebook page. So look for us at Kitchen Table Alchemy. And it is a closed group, but just send your request and we'll approve that. And we want to hear your feedback and your questions. Yeah, yeah. we'd
1: love to get some, uh, some listener questions and answer those on the show. So please um, post those there. And also go to iTunes and subscribe to get uh, the newest episodes automatically downloaded yes. to your podcast player of choice. And uh, if you feel so inclined, leave us a review there as well so that we know uh, we'd love to get your feedback and uh, get inspired for future shows.
0: All right. Awesome. Thanks, y'all.